and welcome back to Writing the Rapids, the show where I, Joe Balecki, talk to writers about writing. Very often those writers have been recommended to me by writers who have previously been on the show. For instance, this month's guest, Kat Giordano, was recommended to me by Dan Eastman. So if you like this conversation, you will like that conversation, and vice versa. Kat Giordano is a writer who lives in Pennsylvania. In 2018, she released her poetry debut, The Poet Confronts Bukowski's Ghost Under Philosophical Idiot. In 2022, her debut novel, The Fountain, was published by 30 West Publishing House. Kat works as a legal writer and, in her off time, can be found playing simulation games, working out, or popping off with bad takes on Twitter.com. She's an avid fan of psychedelia and teen dramas and will do anything for the bit. Kat is very cool. You like her. Before we get into the conversation, let me ask you for some money. If you would like to support the show on a monthly basis, you can do so at patreon.com slash noisemakershow. I've got three tiers. They all offer different things, and everything is worth it. You can also do a one-time donation to me at paypal.me slash noisemakershow. That is also very appreciated. Or you can buy my book, Tired, on amazon.com. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Kat. I think that the place I want to start is with Bukowski, uh, because I am bad at poetry, as I think I've established well over the course of the show, and and so my relationship with Bukowski is that I saw a documentary about him one time, and I've probably read uh, a poem or two here or there post on Facebook back in high school or something like that. Right. Um, so I am aware of... Bukowski the man and his complicated uh, public persona and some reaction to some of his works Um, but I'm not super familiar with his work so the poet confronts Bukowski's ghost is is quite a uh, quite a title and so I think that's probably a good place to start (laughs) Um, yeah, um, so what I, like, what I wanted to do with the book was, I don't like a lot of the, like, I feel like Bukowski's such a polarizing subject among writers, like, there's, like, this very, um, I don't want to call it performative because I don't know, you know, what people are feeling when they say this, but there's a very, like, instinctual seeming, like, gut reaction of, like, ugh, like, he's, like, pretentious or something, but Mm. then there's also the people who they hear someone being derided for, like, those specific reasons and are, like, oh, yeah, he's, like, the best, and you have to... It's, It's almost like everyone says, like, he's complicated, but, like, they refuse to actually, like, like, approach him as if he's complicated, mm. and they just, you know, they say he's complicated, and that either means, like, don't look over here at all these other things that he did, or he's the worst, and mm. nobody should like him or read him. And I wanted to, I don't know, kind of do something nuanced with that and bounce it off of some of my own experiences with other poets, because at the time, that was, like, when I was first getting to know other writers, and, you know, the personalities are really out there, mm-hmm. and realizing, like, it's not really that like teenage idealism of like oh like another writer they must be like me and we're all like tortured souls and we all get each other and realizing that your influences aren't necessarily the best people and i don't know a lot of complicated feelings about that um and i think like in that sense it holds up because i still see the same conversation happening all the time 
Um, and I still feel frustrated by the conversation every time it happens. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where the whole idea came from. I don't know how, how much of it, you know, comes through in the book or, or what, what you felt about it as somebody who isn't really that familiar with his work, but maybe is familiar with like the com the conversation around him because you kind of have to be. Right. I'm, I'm curious about that complicated thing. It reminds me of in, in my current obsession of like esotericism studies. Um, there's a lot of talk about like Aleister Crowley and, and one of the sort of internet personalities in, in the esotericism world talks about how Aleister Crowley is a really important figure, but it's so disappointing how he sees that the people who are obsessed with him are obsessed with trying to emulate hit like his personality rather than engaging right. with his ideas. Um, and so listening to you talk and then thinking about the poem poet man, it's like, okay, right. So like, do we not like Bukowski because maybe he was a jerk or because maybe his poetry isn't the way that you think poetry should be or whatever? Or is it because there's a bunch of dudes out there trying to act like Bukowski <laughs> right. and that's just like not helping anybody? Yeah, I, I feel like those guys are kind of missing the point. Like a lot of the people who, who idealize him in that way, like, like... The point is, I think, like, at least to me, and especially when I was a teenager, like, I don't sit around and read Bukowski, you know, often now, um, but it was like he was, you know, edgy, I guess, in mm -hmm. the sense that it's not the kind of poetry you're you're typically reading as, like, a teenager in high school or whatever, but also there was, like, that sensitivity there, mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of people just kind of miss that part of it, or, like, they don't want to engage with that part, so they idealize him by just being like, yeah, I'm like a, you know... I'm, I'm allowed to swear here, right? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm like a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. And they don't, like, they don't engage with, like, their emotional self at all. So it mm -hmm. just doesn't really come through as being genuine. And it doesn't actually, like, have the effect that they want it to have. Right, yeah. And and that's one of the things I was thinking about with the Poet Man um, poem. is like, I wonder how many of these guys who do that... And I don't go outside, so I don't know how many of these guys are in my neighborhood. I don't know, you know, I, I, enough people have have talked about this guy to make him a a tangible image in my mind. Even though I, hopefully, I don't think I've ever met any of these guys. Um, but like, you know, I wonder how how much of like the shittiness is genuine, right? Like, and how much is just like I feel like I must chain smoke and drink whiskey to be a poet and, right and i don't know I, it, it's an interesting question because obviously you can't look inside somebody's heart right like right. That's, that's why with racism we've turned it into like a you are a racist versus you are doing a racism right, right. because it's a lot easier to like point to a behavior and say no this behavior mirrors these things rather than right. like no in your heart of hearts you aren't actually <laughs> depressed and you just wear black and smoke cigarettes and go to open mic nights um because you want people to think you are or something like that I, which is you know i think kind of a horrible thing to tell uh somebody or to think about somebody because obviously I mean, you can't really see somebody's heart right way. like yeah i guess to your point i mean they, I, if they're doing it because they want to be seen a certain way, they're being seen in that way. So, right. uh, you know, they're accomplishing 
something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, but but yeah. It's it's funny how much like I feel like when I wrote that poem, I didn't actually like really know that guy like myself. Mm. Like I just knew the idea of that guy and I and I could imagine that that guy existed, but I actually feel like since writing that, I'm like I feel like I could write a better one. Mm. Like I could write a better poet man poem. <laughs> but you know, it might it might be a little too on the nose at that point. I don't want to go into like the the passive aggressive uh, territory right. where you're like about some guy that like you actually know. Subtweet but, yeah. as poem. Yeah, I mean, I do have those, but you know, <laughs> I want to use them sparingly. Right. Um. The the little bit of like Bukowski poem stuff that I I do remember um from the aforementioned like Facebook posts or whatever. does seem like there is a style there that um and i guess did he was he part of the beats or did he precede the beats i think he was considered part of them i feel like that's also something that's like hotly debated but i don't remember like why right if it was like a time timing thing or just people not wanting him to be one of them i don't know right um because there is that element there of like some of the poetry that I've read that is more like, I don't know, sparse or about like walking around in a city. Yeah. Um, like up through, like, I, I don't know. I guess it's n- not a new thing to note that like the beats influenced alt lit or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I feel like enough people have a, a negative affiliation with alt lit that anything that looks like it or looks like it probably could have preceded it probably also just gets um gives people the sour taste in their mouth yeah i i could agree with that i i think that's probably true um do you do you have really any sort of because this book came out in 2018 so right am i am i correct yeah. on that I, I got i got real self-conscious there for a second i said something like, r- really like not sure either so <laughs> I, I said it says copyright 2018 so i guess we're good um said something real objective and got real scared real fast because <laughs> i know what it's like to be on the internet um so so you were writing probably in 20, 2016 2017 these poems yeah which would have been tail end of that so i don't know when did you start getting into writing uh i know you did philosophical idiot for a while um yeah what's like the 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 brief overview of the history of of your um i mean i've always like been, been into writing but as far as like being a part of like the the community or like a community it was pretty much around around the time I started editing Philosophical Idiot, because I, like, I I got a BFA in poetry and fiction, but I wasn't really, like, engaging with anything, like, that wasn't old old at that point. And it was, like, right around the time that I graduated, I realized I wasn't going to get an MFA because I I didn't get in, Mm. didn't really, didn't, I didn't get in, but I also, like, kind of realized by that time that it wasn't something that I would have wanted to do anyway, wasn't sure what I was going to do, so I was like, well, let me just, like, go online, I guess, and, like, see what people are doing and you know the rest is history but as far as like the the outlet stuff that happened beforehand i i mean i was on i don't even like i knew i was aware of it i guess but i didn't like have that much of like a personal experience i didn't like read any like talent when i was you know in high school i would have been 
um, or like early college. I didn't, I knew of all of those people and I knew of that scene, but I didn't really have any strong feelings about it. Mm. And I don't think I was even really like thinking about that when I was writing those poems, because a lot of them were part of my thesis for my BFA. And then I, you know, judged it up a little bit mm. after that because 2017. Um, but yeah, like I really didn't have any of that in mind at the time, but I do see how like now the, the parallels between that whole scene and like the, the polarization of that whole conversation and also like the Kelsey conversation, it is pretty similar and probably because people see those similarities, like you said. Right. So yeah, I, I feel like I'm developing a thesis about people who started writing around the beginning of the Trump era and, and their relationship to all it. Like there's something formulating in my brain there that eventually <laughs> will be an essay. Like you can, you can tell right like there there's going to be a criteria of like you can tell by x y and z that if this person's first book came out between 2015 and 2020 you can tell if they read steve <laughs> rogenbuck or not like based on one two and three uh bullet points I, I i don't know what it is yet but i feel like there's something there i'm very interested in this i'm like i feel like sometimes i'm more interested in like the i don't know like the broader uh like landscape of of writers than like anything that they actually write mm -hmm. like like I, I i i don't really like the drama part of it because i don't like being burned by it but like the the general like just understanding it as like a scene is always interesting to me as much as i also find it like emotionally exhausting right. so like that whole that whole thesis as as you just put it i i'm really interested in where that ends up going well i'll have to stick to it for sure i mean most uh a large portion of my YouTube watching is like, here's a two hour video about some nutty thing that happened over the course of two weeks on Tumblr in 2006. So like, oh, I love that kind of stuff. alt lit is, is very much, um, that for me, you know, like I engaged with it a little bit. Um, I mean, engaged with it. I read some of it, and, but not like, not any of the, I don't know. I've never read a Towelin book. Um, and I know that there are other people whose names have sort of been scrubbed from from history who I, I probably haven't read, but like I've read people who were, you know, and had people on who who have been like mentioned right. in the same breaths, your your pinks and Cicero's and, and whoever, and all of those people are like, oh, I was just online and writing and yeah. those people happened to be next to me, uh, sort of thing. Um, but wild things happening online is, a, a fun fascination of mine so it's fun to to look at you know the ripple effects of that yeah fun and like a looking at a car crash sort of way right um, but, <laughs> at least in my opinion but yeah um you have a poem here that references the reason by hubastank and i just want to congratulate yeah. you on totally understanding <laughs> the intended purpose of that song like that that song is the abuser uh i'm sorry song uh, uh, to the point where i'm not sure too many women in in their mid to late 20s can hear that song and not think of a bad memory and it's like a great song too like it's, it's yeah it's, i i really do like that whole i don't know i feel like i i mentioned it a few times in in both of the books but i i really do like that whole um 
what is it called like they call it like butt rock that like early mm. not really like the new metal stuff but like that early 2000s like kind of just like not landfill indie but like landfill like radio yeah. rock stuff i love it because i was at a certain age or that was like the last time i had like serotonin in my brain <laughs> was like when stuff was playing on the radio in my parents car so i was like I still have that like weird nostalgic thing for it that like I feel like people just slightly older and slightly younger than me like don't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know my CD player in middle school had the the it could pick up FM signals, and so when I was sick of listening to the one Linkin Park album that I had in my CD player constantly, I would turn on the alt-rock station and it would be Seether and Hoobastank and early five-finger death punch and Avenge Sevenfold and like this very weird genre of music. Um, and that station too, it would kind of like with alt-lit, like Primus would show up on there and System of a Down would show up on there and like, I don't know if you would catch... I don't know. I'm I'm no longer confident, but I feel like you probably wouldn't catch System of a Down and Hoobastank like going on tour together or something. But they oh, appeared gosh. on the same radio stations. But I would go if they did. Right. <laughs> and and there's a generation of men who uh, listen to those radio stations and completely miss the point of every single System of a Down song. Completely yeah. miss the point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Which is just wild to me. I remember getting into to socialism and communism like early high school um, and being like to my friends, like, guys, this is what they're singing about. And they're like, no, that's not it at all. I'm like, no, prison song is about prison abolitionism, guys. And they're like, no, it's not. It's about buying crack. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, whatever. Um. So what was your experience running Philosophical Idiot? I mean, it was awesome. I met I met my partner running Philosophical Idiot and oh, we now look together. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, so there's that uh there's that uh, aspect of it. But yeah, I think it was a really good way for me to like get familiar with a lot of people's writing really quickly because again, I just I like sort of got online and then like 2 months later I was editing Philosophical Idiot and I was you know, you can't possibly read everyone's book like i still can't do that and so it was nice to be able to like get little bits and pieces from everyone and it felt like i was like downloading so much mm -hmm. stuff into my brain like that was a really formative time that i don't think like i would be the same if i didn't experience that um but it was also i, I don't really think i'm cut out to be an editor um mm. for like a lot of like logistical reasons like i don't have the sustained kind of motivation that you need to like have a project like that um so I don't know. I don't think I'll probably ever be in that position again, but I, it was like the exact thing I needed at that point in time was to get exposed to so much writing and like be part of so many people's like, not to say, you know, I was like foundational to their career or something, mm -hmm. but like to, to be the person who like publishes someone's like first couple, you know, short stories or something like that's cool. And then to be at, at some point like foundational in that is like a cool experience. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, you know, send out a lot of short pieces anymore. But, you know, around 2016, when I was getting online there, it was nice to be like, you know, not rejected a million times before you get your first acceptance, because you can find a group of people who are kind of all starting out 
and all yeah figuring figuring everything out and then it's been cool to watch some of these people really um blossom um and i mean you, philosophical idiot put out a noah cicero book so like yeah you're a heavy hitter yeah kind of in that way that was awesome too that was like he's like the nicest person to to work with he's like just like the most genuine nice guy like i feel like you know back to the all lit conversation people think of like you know the stereotypical all lit guy i guess and like that guy does exist you know i know mm -hmm. he exists um but he's just so not that guy like yeah. he's just such, like he's such a person like i don't know it's just like so awesome uh, working with him and just like you know seeing somebody who's who's not you know 27 mm -hmm. and who's still, like writing and who's like isn't completely like jaded after having been in in that you know in the throes of whatever that was is like just really cool to me and kind of encouraging yeah i imagine i i've enjoyed the two times he's been on the show i, I think he's a a really interesting guy yeah and um you know i i've been thinking a lot lately about um the scope of the medium of books uh fiction and poetry combined like because i keep wanting to say things online like we as writers should do something right like we need to focus yeah. our energy on this or like we need to get rid of that or something um but like uh, and then I remember that like some people are writing books to try to have money and some people are writing books because they can't not write books and some people fall in between and like even the intention of like what books do for the reader is different from book to book right like I have so many books that are like just there for me to have fun to read and some books that are like really trying to do something and yeah kind of out there and I've, I feel like Noah Cicero is just like that guy who if none of this existed would still you know somebody somebody would find him dead at like 87 or something and just find like manuscript on manuscript yeah and then there'd be a 50 minute long YouTube video about the <laughs> the unsung Las Vegas based writer who has 27 unpublished novels that everybody that needs is, to read yeah now. that really makes you wonder too like how many people are you know yet to be discovered who have like done insane shit yeah uh, i you know i think that's where the term outsider outsider artist like should lie it's like people yeah. who like don't yeah. even have a twitter account you know yeah. like people who just like who who literally just couldn't care less about doing anything other than making the art and some of those people like get into the mainstream like i feel cormac mccarthy is kind of that where yeah. i've talked about this story on the show before i think where like he was he was like living in a shack with his wife eating cans of beans and like a college offered him x thousand uh, amount of dollars to like speak about his book and he's like no i wrote the book i'm done with it like why would i talk about it and his wife is like no we're living in a shack and he's like I don't, so i don't care or like um oh what's his name brian lewis saunders the artist who does he does a self-portrait of himself every day and every once in a while there will be a, a viral post about the guy who drew self-portraits oh, yeah. on drugs um yeah 
like he's got an Instagram account and there has been a documentary made about him. So he's, I don't think he's any longer like outside, like he's definitely moved into a house from an apartment sort of thing. Um, right. and good for him. Um, but like he's definitely, is just like doing weird shit and just the only difference is now that Instagram exists, you can see that like, Oh, he's walking around with, you know, um, cardboard tubes of different lengths attached to his eyes so that he can draw his self portraits differently. Uh, and I think that's fantastic, but I also find it to be, you know, kind of a bummer because that's the type of art I'm most interested in. Right. Yeah. Is, is the guy who has a storage unit with a, with a throne made out of trash. Right. Like I need to know about that guy, but also if you know about that guy, he's not really that guy. Yeah. The the magic gets lost. Right. It's like God, you know, like once you figure out that God exists, like what's the point? Yeah, it's it's like, I don't know, sometimes I mean, it's not really the same thing. But like, I I read I, I'm not like, I'm not like other writers, but like, mm-hmm. I, I like to read things I wrote when I was younger, like I have, you know, insane levels of like backups of documents from, you know, 2006 of like crap, I was writing when I was, you know, whatever age, like 10, 11. And like, I I don't think that writing was good, but I sometimes wish I could get back that like innocence where like you're not thinking about like what anybody else thinks about it. And no matter what you're writing, you think it's the shit because it's like your idea and it's so precious to you. And now it's like I write something and then I'll like, you know, I I show it to one person. I'm like, oh, that's all right. You know, I didn't get the, I didn't get the reaction I wanted or like getting any reaction was good enough and I don't need to finish it. And it's like that level of being observed obviously changes, you know, the art that comes out. And I wish I could have what I have now, but also never have anyone observe what I'm doing and like see what would come out because yeah. I feel like it could be interesting or like anyone see what anyone could do if they weren't, you know, worried about Twitter or whatever, but mm-hmm. easier said than done. Right. Yeah, I mean, that makes me think about my book. And, like, I wrote that all before I, you know... When I was on Twitter at that point, I was doing something completely different with Twitter. I had a different name. I was trying to promote something else entirely, um, and that didn't work. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I shifted. But, like, there was an ease to it because I knew just enough to be able to put 80,000 words down in a Word document... Um, and there's, there's something, you know, it makes me think of like Zen Buddhism or something, right? Like these masters who like, are also like, forget everything, you know? Yeah. And and there's something there, you know, there's maybe that's like the next level of writing, right? Like you've, you've figured out the craft, you know, you've learned all the rules, you know, it works, you know, you have an audience and then somehow you figure out a way to like put that all aside for the hour yeah. a day that you write or something. I feel like Kevin um, might have figured that out, right? Oh, well, because yeah. he was talking about like winning awards for writing and stuff in college. And now he's like, has a poem that's just like, I'm a butt boy. Fuck yeah. you. Come socks. And like, that's yeah. the whole poem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I, I actually like, I don't know. It's weird because I when I think of people, he's not that much younger than me. I, I guess, you know, two, three years younger than me, maybe. But I there's like a certain group of people that came around like right after me, I guess, who I'm like so jealous of them because they don't, they never seem to have that like weird, like college brainworms thing of like, Oh, I have to like go to a press and like 
query my book like i had to actually unlearn all that stuff and he's one of those people that i'm like so jealous of because i just feel like he so easily you know was like oh i'm just gonna start you know back patty i mean he did soft cartel i think before that mm-hmm. and he was just like oh i'm gonna start my own thing and it's gonna be great and i'm, I'm sure there's like self-doubt there you know but i i'm really jealous of people who didn't have to like unindoctrinate themselves from that like weird like mfa like pipeline thing that doesn't work for everybody yeah yeah and i think something too when you, the younger you get right that like you're just you're born in the panopticon and you just yeah. you're just used to it you know there is no like getting into fights with people on twitter is just part of life you know for me i've like gotten into yeah. two fights on twitter and i've been on twitter since like 2011 right like more than 10 years and i've gotten into like two or three fights on twitter and like i I obsess over making sure I don't get into fights on Twitter. Like I so don't want to, I so desperately like do not want people to get upset with me on Twitter specifically. Like people can read my book and not like it and, and whatever. Right. Um, and people can listen to my podcast and not like it. And they can give me a one star review on Spotify um, because Spotify allows uh, reviews now wink. Um, but uh, you know, like for some reason, just sh- somebody showing up in my DMS and being like, fuck you asshole you're a piece of shit like really (laughs) not just laying it all out in public yeah i suppose that's true so yeah with me in my dms instead of just like (laughs) i always like get like even when i'm not like popping off with some like insane take or something and i i just go away from my phone for a while and i you know i post a picture of my dog or something and i forget and I go and I look at Twitter and I have like 12 notifications and I'm like, what did I say? Oh God. What happens? And I'm always expecting someone to have like written an article in like tweet form about how I'm like the worst person who's ever lived. And I'm just like, oh, 10 people like my picture of my dog. Okay. That's, you know, that's a normal reaction for me to have. So like seeing that. Right. Oh, sure. Life doesn't like it when people are mean on Twitter either. Um, so so let's shift into the fountain. Um sure. you, you mentioned your degrees like specifically in poetry. Uh I did poetry and fiction. There was like okay. poetry, fiction, and nonfiction, and I just didn't mm. do the nonfiction concentration, did the other two. I see. Okay. So it's not like a huge shift shifting from from No, although I guess for for me just logistically writing a novel was hard because I had never done that before, but right. Um, I, I was surprised, uh, by it because the premise is, um, such that I would assume, uh, that the, the character of Jay, right? That's his name. Now, again, I'm saying things that are objective and I'm getting scared. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I, I had a much, uh, different expectation about what the character of Jay would be. Uh, I, I just like completely assumed that this was going to be like, I don't know, much darker than the cover art would suggest. And <laughs> it was, you know, I mean, it wasn't a fairy tale or anything, but uh, where, where does the story of the fountain come from? <laughs> um, real life, mostly um and 
also just like other people's experiences thrown into a blender. Like mm. I really don't feel like I made anything up, but not all of it happened to me. Mm. Um, and then the whole idea of the fountain, I mentioned it like in the acknowledgements of the book because I don't want to get sued, but <laughs> there, there is this like um, astrology uh, YouTuber that I used to watch religiously when I was going through like a really existential crisis point in my life. And she did come up with really briefly that concept of the fountain, which I like built upon and kind of reworked it to my own ends but yeah it's it's kind of just like a lot of things that i wanted to write about but i didn't think i could write about if i wrote if i like tried to make them too non-fictiony so i just mm. kind of threw them all together um but a lot of it is is personal experience um <laughs> take, take from that what you will but yeah okay um i also found and i noticed this i was recently reading a book um i can't remember who wrote it uh, it's called wallop and it's on house of vlad press and it's very good and i think people should read it but i realized that that since uh quitting drinking i i enjoy reading books about parties especially people in their 20s and 30s partying um as like escapist fiction for me um and then like like really really kind of missing it while i'm reading it and then they write about the hangovers and i'm like that's why i don't yeah. do it anymore <laughs> among a whole bunch of other reasons but oh, like yeah. like oh yeah that's right that's why i don't go to parties but like a, a lot of you know the whole taco house section was difficult to read without like digressing into memories of like yeah. friendsgivings and you know it's it's my 30th birthday so we're gonna wake up at six and take 30 shots before midnight somehow yeah. and like just like these weird you know the idea of, of of a taco house that eventually just kind of devolves into like a couple dudes in their 40s showing up to some girl's house yeah like feels so real to me like there there is a socioeconomic and it's very small right a very thin socioeconomic um strata that like that is a universal concept that like yeah. everybody's got that one <laughs> yeah. friend who like for some reason just like doesn't have parents but lives in a house and just like you know everybody has that one friend who if we were going to drink prematurely it was going to be at that dude's house in that yeah. dude's basement uh, yeah sort of thing yeah completely um and the the um I forget how old I made him, the, the drug dealer in the beginning. Oh, he was like 16 or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I did, that's also a real guy. <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, I There was a, a, a nice touch in there that I made a point to remember is that the character says, uh, what are you playing FIFA? And he's like, no, it's Madden. And then later outside the house, she's thinking about him and she's like, he couldn't even step away from FIFA long enough to yeah. complete the drug deal. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> that's very much a uh, you know i'm i'm old for my age sort of yeah. idea that i that i enjoyed very much i guess i'm really just kind of stuck on on the fact that like jay is not a complete asshole and that like tom didn't play a, a bigger part um but the book didn't like strike me as trying to like setting out to deconstruct the trope of that guy um which yeah. i found interesting especially because I, I read uh the poet confronts bukowski's ghost immediately before the fountain like i think there was a day break maybe 
um, between right. between yeah. reading them. So like Poet Man is is in my head, right. and and then we meet Tom and Jay. Um, so I don't know. Like the fountain sort of almost reminded me of Daryl in this way of I like. I really gotta read that. Oh, it's good. Um, just just the idea that the pro- protagonist is um, getting like really good life experience or really like ultimately beneficial life experience from places you wouldn't expect Uh and again that feels like like something that you would see better worded on the back of a book that you would find at like barnes and noble or something but also like it's this is very much like a within the realm i am used to of of indie writers sort of thing so I appreciated it a lot for for that whole thing. Um, yeah, uh, I guess maybe maybe because it's you know autofic enough that maybe that's not something that you were like considering while writing it. I I like I don't know it. I think I I did set out when writing it to like. To, to try and not not in a not in like a subtweety like this person sucked way but like I I understood the circumstances I was writing about very differently when I started writing it than I ended up feeling through the process of writing it mm. and so I like I ended up telling a much like truer more nuanced story than I probably set out to tell but not necessarily because I changed my mind but just that like I don't know I mean I I, I matured a lot um since since the period of time I was writing about and also like over I think I started writing the book um 2019 I and then I finished it end of or I guess like yeah like fall of 2020 and you know mentally emotionally went through a lot got on meds for problems I'd had you know for my entire life and I think like my whole mindset towards a lot of the things that had happened previous to that changed to the point where the book ended up being something completely different and yeah I love that book so much like I I don't know I didn't like I love Bukowski's ghost but I feel like it just feels very like first book to me but like Mm. when I think about the fountain probably because it's the most recent book I put out but it's I don't know I feel like it's like the most me thing I could possibly get away with and mm. so, like, I, I don't know. I feel really, like, emotional when I'm talking about it, which is so, like, isn't this baby? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like that. Uh, I, I think that's a good relationship to have with the book. Um, I, I tried a long time ago to write something with characters very much based on people I knew and had, a, I think, a similar experience in that, like, if I'm going to write a believable book, I have to... Uh, divorce some of my feelings about this person or these people and write uh-huh. it the way that it actually happened and like right. actively try to understand why they made the choices that they made sort of uh, right. rather than just like write a book about someone who's sad and does shitty things to people yeah yeah and the other thing I mean I I wouldn't recommend this but you know being mentally unstable enough to burn down your entire life to the point where you don't have to worry about what any of those people think anymore when you write about them is very freeing. Like, you know, not that I used anyone's real name, but just, you know, you're not still, you know, receiving content 
really to that person so you you're allowed to like you know play with the idea of them a little bit without feeling like they're gonna see themselves and not like how they were portrayed mm. and also you're allowed to deviate in ways that are useful without feeling like you're somehow like betraying people that maybe you do still like and are friends with mm. um, not that i would recommend destroying your entire life and starting over so you can write a good book but it's, it is, it's, there's got to be a better way there's got to be an easier way reading yeah yeah I, I would like to hope so because i don't plan on doing that again so yeah so we'll, we're gonna have to you know come up with a a, a, yeah. a more effective way i mean some of like the autofic books i've read in the past two years some of the ones i've enjoyed the most um are very much because there is that i talk about it with my wife a lot that i feel that i was like one or two um incorrect decisions or uh more negative outcomes away from like becoming a crust punk or something right like the there there is me in a house in a two-story house in a in a decent city um with not a ton of money but i'm not like stressed or anything and i got a dog and a pregnant wife um but like like two nights could going differently is like the difference between me doing this and me being in like you know a band of like leftover crack or something and just like you know hopping trains across the country to get to the next gig and the fragility of of that is something that i acknowledge a lot but also it makes it really easy to read this current um environment of autofic of like i'm a dude in my house and there's no furniture and like i'm making friends with the rats that are invading the apartment yeah um, because I'm like so close to being that guy. And I, I, I guess I kind of touched on that a little bit with like the taco house bit and like really, really feeling it like, yeah, let's like get drunk and go into the woods with, you know, half of the, half of the group of people here are strangers to me. Like, that's yeah. a fantastic <laughs> idea. Let's do that. That sounds like a fun Friday night. Um, and you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about at the very beginning like i worry that um you know there's there's that element of well that's how i wrote a good book and so i can't you know yeah curtail my drinking or or whatever like i I mean yeah I, I don't know. I, I couldn't, like, I don't, I don't really drink anymore. I don't do anything remotely that interesting anymore. Um, but, but I, and I couldn't have been in that space and I wrote a book about that because I just wouldn't have written, I just wouldn't have sat down and written a book. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't have written that book then doing all that because it was like, it just wasn't important, you know? Right. So I, and it's it's weird because I, I felt kind of similarly. I was like, oh my God, like nothing bad has happened to me in like years, you know? Like, what am I supposed to write about now? Of course, you know, then the pandemic hits and you're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> but, um, and then the, the weirdest thing, you know, my, not, not my dog that we just got, but my, I lived with my partner's family for a couple of years and they mm-hmm. got a dog and the dog and I like bonded so much. And then I like started writing this thing about a dog and I was like, oh, I don't, and it's like not, you know, it's not one of those like Marley and me sort of things. And I was like, oh, like things can continue to happen in life when you're not like partying and stuff. But it definitely did take me time to like, 
appreciate a somewhat slower life and like be able to see things in it that I don't think I would have been willing to see if I was um, you know worrying about what I was going to do over the weekend constantly so I don't know I think there's there's a, a way to sort of like continuously farm a, a like I don't, I don't want to say degenerate that sounds like fucking nazi shit but you know like degenerate sort of like life experience into a book but the, at the same time there's no one else is writing about being obsessed with their dog so you know i'll do that right <laughs> one of my one of my like unpopular opinions is like i think it's more important to focus on your mental health than on your art yeah and like you know there's there's more books that exist now than could ever be read uh so like i feel like you know kind of kind of aggressively being like the world does not need your your fucked up party book you know like yeah. people have been writing fucked up party books since we've been able to drink alcohol i mean right. read the norse sagas like that's all fucked up party books <laughs> uh, and like as much as i like them um it's one of one of my favorite like micro genres of 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 indie lit right now is this sort of autofic um, I destroyed my life in my 20s sort of books, but like, you know, method writing is, I think, not necessary. Um, and, you know, I'm glad that people can turn negative experiences into good books and hopefully in doing so heal a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm always a little worried that someone is going to say, you know, I had success because I did this thing and then wrote a book about it. And so to continue to have success, I must also continue to do things like that or dumb things or whatever, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting daddish in my old age, you know, just like, I want everyone to be like, safe. This is making... Go ahead. Yeah. When I was, I think it was like, it was right before the pandemic. It was like November, 2019 was when I got on Zoloft and like, I was very worried, even though I knew that it was like a cliche worry to have that like you're not going to be able to be creative anymore or you're not going to have feelings anymore and you're going to be, you know, some like dulled out version of yourself. And it, it's a very scary thing, but I also think that um, it benefited me in a way because I don't really worry about like like so my main issue has just been like debilitating like anxiety and for a while it does feel like oh nothing's happening and i just don't feel anything the way i used to but it's because you're so used to like being in a constant fight or flight mode that you just can't appreciate those things and i feel like that you know being able to adjust to that is like beneficial for you know me as a writer to notice i think i i think i already said this but like notice like you know, smaller, slower things and not always be in that, like, you know, red alert state. But I, I understand people who are, who are worried about losing that or, like, somehow not being able to get it back. But it's not everything, you know? Right. Yeah. I, do you remember... I can't remember. It must have been... Must have been more than 10 years ago now. There were commercials on TV um that were like adults just like like not being able to like get in the car you know like this dude in a suit walks out to his driveway and he just like can't figure out how to open the car door and so he like 
works his way in through like the back window and kind of slithers his way and it ends up saying something like you know when you're quitting smoking and you're not used to doing something without a cigarette you have to relearn how to do it yeah um and there is an element of that um when you you know get the get the medication that works for you and and stop doing the things that harm you that it's like wait a minute what do i do how do i right how how do i even sit down to write now like i feel like going for a walk because the world's not terrifying like how do how am i going to go sit down and write yeah. inside like i can't do that but i mean i've i've said it before and i'll say it a million times until my lungs collapse that i've i wrote more since getting on medication um and and better stuff than i ever did beforehand um and obviously Absolutely. obviously as i get older and and continue to get only healthier that that'll be a much easier thing to say but like the two year period before starting medication and the two year period after that my artistic output is night and day different both in in quantity and quality and yeah you know your mileage may vary i was never the type of person who could like smoke a joint and then sit down and write oh uh, god no or, or you know like my my alcohol consumption was very much a just like as soon as it touches your lips you're going until you can't walk anymore right. so like there was never going to be any writing happening while i was drinking you know and being drunk especially on that amount of of hard liquor like there that's all day you're done you know and if you're yeah. doing that four times a week like how much are you really writing you know yeah if you only have three days a week you're lucid enough to to sit down and write you know i mean good for stephen king who could just black out on gallons of beer and then pump out novels like that's got to be nice but um you know if i could write in my sleep i'm sure i'd be i'm sure i would figure out a way to do it because the output would be there yeah i definitely agree with you i think like i just i'm also just a little bit i mean again like this is very like you know very formative years so i probably would have matured as a writer anyways but I, I do feel like my I'm doing my best writing now, even though no one's reading it. Um, <laughs> but even like when I was writing The Fountain, um, I felt like, you know, when I started it around that time, I felt like that was like, you know, my best writing. And I was shocked that it was coming out of me. But also, you know, I actually had time to slow my thoughts down and have hindsight about things. And I wouldn't have had that. But yeah, it's 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 not something I expected, but I think at the time I was also just okay with that. Like I was kind of like, well, I don't want to have no feelings and never be creative again, but I, I'd rather, you know, if, if not feeling like shit 24 seven means I'd never write again, I guess that's worth it. Um, right. But I feel like you're not supposed to say that because like you said, that's a very hot take, you know, to put your mental health above, you know, your creative output, but that's that's definitely you know you get to a point where it's like okay do i want to like live or do i want to like be popular on twitter you know right if i can't both if i can't have both i hope i can have both but may we all be so lucky as to have both yeah you know um yeah it's very nice to be able to like enjoy a sandwich you know like i think you know, I get euphoria from, from writing something really good, but it's also really nice to just like sit down and, and like have your dog next to you and be like, Oh, this is good. This is objectively good. The couch is comfortable. The dog is fuzzy. Uh, you, YouTube is fine. 
another yeah. another AGDQ came out, so I'm gonna watch speed runs oh, yeah. for 16 <laughs> hours, and just like ah oh, yeah, like I, it happens most weekends that at some point the three of us will be clustered together on the couch and like I'll do a big sigh and just be like oh wait this is good and that never happened when I was drinking that never happened when I was depressed and you know as a guy who's had one book come out with five reviews on Goodreads I would trade the book for that feeling any day any day any day um uh, especially since I can actually write more (laughs) having that feeling um yeah, you don't have to use. That's the good part. I got um. I don't know. I feel like everyone knows this now, but I I, I wouldn't even worry about the the five Goodreads reviews, considering I got um. Yeah. I don't even know what happened. I still don't know what happened. It was, it was really <laughs> weird. It felt like a strange target. You know. You... And also, like a lot of those like fake accounts ended up changing their reviews to like four and five stars like later. Oh, did they really? A couple, like, the ones that it started with ended up changing them, and that was also weird. I stopped looking after, like, I haven't looked at it in a long time. God knows what it looks like now, because it's just, it's it's so irrelevant and so, like, absurdly not reflective of reality that, like, I just don't even have to care about it anymore. Right. Uh, but it, that was just so insane. <laughs> like, for those of you listening at home, my, uh, my Goodreads account got mobbed by, I don't, I think, bots? Real people? I don't know and left anti-semitic and racist shit all over my goodreads reviews and now my averages are really bad when i checked they're they're getting better now now it's like 3.6 stars on on each of the books 3.6 3.7 which is i suppose relatively low for like one of our uh, yeah. books because everybody either doesn't rate it or or gives it four or five stars yeah they're like your friends yeah um but yeah it was weird it was weird and i don't know i'm i'm so uh part a part of my obsession with weird shit happening on the internet is is that when weird shit is happening right now i get like way too obsessed about it which is part of the reason I took a break. <laughs> I was like, I need to divorce myself from like looking at subtweets and then seeing who likes the subtweets to figure yeah, out like, like who we're talking about and who I'm not supposed to like. Um, I feel like I feel like a lot of this conversation sort of mirrors the the first one I had with Kevin. But um, I guess th- the more things change, the more th- things stay the same. Um, so it, yeah, it was just it was absolutely bizarre. And I guess you should feel feel proud that that weird people on the internet decided to mob your page yeah um i was chosen you you were there's there's a story of there's a magician and podcaster named brian brushwood who also has a youtube channel where he teaches people how to do magic tricks and stuff like that and back before he was i don't know as popular as he is now he was sort of he every once in a while he had a, a he had like one viral video going around of him having a, a magic trick failing where there's like a uh, a roulette wheel with uh like styrofoam cups and he's got a knife under one of them and so does a magic trick he's supposed to do the magic trick of, of missing the knife but he like imma- immediately stabs his hand and so would go viral every once in a while but for whatever reason uh b the the famous 4chan board uh, decided to pedo bomb his YouTube channel way way back in the day, which is 
a thing that I don't think they do anymore, um, and I hope that they don't because it's awful, but basically it was just like a bunch of people would go leave vague comments on his YouTube videos, like specifically like one YouTube video just to tank it of like, I can't believe what you did to that 12-year-old girl sort of stuff. Yeah. And his response was to make a YouTube video saying, oh, I won the B Award. Thank you. And they like made a <laughs> fake little medal and he put it on and he's like, thanks guys. I won the internet for today because 4chan noticed me. And then like all the comments stopped because it's like no longer fun because yeah. the intended reaction is that you get upset and you deny it. And when a man denies that he did something on the internet, we all know what that means. Yeah. So, he, you know, whenever whenever people en masse are awful to you, uh, that probably just means that you win. You win the internet for the day. So you get to log off yeah. and uh, make yourself a little metal. <laughs> Yeah, I actually forgot all about that until until you mentioned um, you only had five. I was like, how many Goodreads reviews do I have? And I was like, oh. I have a I lot more than him. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, huh. Um. Uh, I don't even remember how long ago. That was like three years ago and also like a month ago. I don't know. It was yesterday, I think, actually. Yeah. Um, um, one of the things that I guess I, I don't know, I sort of... I was feeling this more during the middle of the book and and uh, felt it less. Yeah, 66 ratings of The Fountain with an average score of 3.5 stars. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> um, but I was... And I, I'm, I'm not well-read enough to, to have a like really good thesis about this. Something about the sort of um autofic type stories written by women or this like contemporary female led indie lit thing um i can't remember exactly what i was like talking to my wife about but it was something like i was thinking about like juliet the maniac and my year of rest and relaxation and the fountain um and a couple other books where it like it's the same sort of thing is like the back patio press stuff or or other post alt lit i'm gonna make people mad and say post alt lit stuff um but there's like a i don't know there's like something different about it um and it's like i don't know like like the attitudes of the characters of like the female protagonists toward the the men that they're interacting with is like very different from how i would expect and it's hard for me to grasp. And I don't know if it makes any sense to you. Like, do you, do you kind of like, I don't know. Do you see what I see? Or do you see that there is something? I'm interested in you trying to explain more. I think I do, but I don't know. I mean, to me, because to me, it's like, it's just how I how I think. So, but, but one thing that, that did strike me that I think about all the time is whenever I sent the book to Zach Smith and he, he read it, he said he felt like the book was about having like debilitating social anxiety. Mm. And I was like, really? I was like, that's just like, isn't like, it, it was just so like, I mean, I'm sure that that comes through, but like the fact that, that that's something he saw in the main character was so like, I just didn't expect that because it's just the way that I see things. Like it, there's mm. not like the self-awareness that like, oh, this is like how a person with like stability anxiety thinks during every interaction. I'm just like, oh, 
that's how people think when they're having a conversation but right. i don't know so it's hard for me to see to see that um mm. from that distance but, but i guess I don't, I don't know i'm i'm thinking like particularly the sex scene um okay. and and like how she's thinking about blowjobs like as she's giving a blowjob and i guess as a person oh, who's okay, never yeah. given a blowjob like there's just like this weird <laughs> weird weird in that you know unusual to me sort of like I couldn't even tell if she really wanted to. And I guess, like, the, the point is, spoilers, that, like, I don't know, it seemed like even midway through the sexual encounter, she was, like, already kind of, like, getting over it. Um, yeah. Which is, which is pretty interesting. And I, I think, you know, some something that, that more writers should play with is that, like, mid-sex, you're, like, getting over the person. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess maybe it's just I don't read enough female writers who write about sex, so I don't have like a really good idea of like how the the female mind <laughs> considers, right. you know, giving no, blowjobs and stuff like that. I think, I think like I don't know. Again, I don't know because I'm not a man, but like I I think that part of it is you're you spend so much time when you're when you're socialized growing up as a as a woman in, in in our culture or whatever to like be more concerned with what other people think of you that you don't always even consider if you if you like the other person mm. or if you're just sort of like doing the compulsory like this person showed me attention like i'm attracted to them i guess <laughs> and so there's that layer where you're like you especially when you're younger and you're more insecure where like you don't it's not that like you you pretend you want something that you don't you just don't even really like think about the fact that you're allowed to like have opinions about other people because you're so busy trying to and i'm sure this isn't everyone's experience but am i you're too busy trying to make sure that they like you and they're having a good time and you're kind of just there like kind of in third person almost i don't know again this is maybe just like my own personal neurosis but yeah i, I kind of get what you're saying yeah and the the beauty of this show are all my like half-formed thoughts that that i that i haven't figured out exactly what they even are yet but i was um did you, did you read marie calloway's book um, no. Okay, I didn't. I read some excerpts that had been posted around, um, and and clearly she had, at the time of writing those things, at least wanted to project a fairly low opinion of men. Um, and I'm thinking of like, uh, again, Juliet the Maniac. There, there's a scene in the chapter gay sex that is like this very like lush scene about experimenting with girls, and then like I feel like all of the sexual scenes in that book with with her boyfriend in the book is, are just kind of like bland and and like almost like kind of annoyed and um i feel like there's there's stuff like that in in um in my year of rest and relaxation whereas in otessa moshfag's mick glue which is a gay love story about two men like it's so much more like lush and palpable and stuff and maybe that just means straight people are boring um but uh i don't know again there's like something there and there's a seed compulsory heterosexuality is a thing too like right i'm, I'm bi so i guess like i don't i you, i'm sure like every you know you still have a little bit of that where like you you don't question like 
I don't know. Like you, you have, I feel like in our, in our, you know, societal situation, like you have to like go out of your way to not do like the, the straight person pipeline. And so there's all like the, that level of like passion and, and being present is more of a given mm. again. I don't know. Maybe this is just, you know, me, you know, talking out of my ass, but whereas I think like, you know, you're just sort of programmed to be like, Oh, I want men to find me attractive. And like, you just, you can go along for the ride. And if you don't, if you aren't present, it doesn't really like matter unless you say something like that sounds really fucked up, but it, especially when you're younger, I feel like that is kind of how it goes for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Okay. I feel better now. Thank you for making this man feel better. <laughs> I, I feel like I have a clearer picture is, is what I mean. Um, more, more seriously, where are you with like wanting to get stuff published right now and stuff? Like, are you just kind of writing to write or are you like specifically like writing that with the end goal of like having it be a finished product? I definitely want to finish it. I don't know what form it'll take. Like, I don't actually know if it's going to be like a long novel or like novella or just something that you know, peters out, but gets cannibalized into like a different thing. I want to, I want to eventually produce something. Um, but I'm taking my time with it because I, I feel like I have to get into the space that I got into with the fountain where like, I'm just so obsessed with my idea that it just doesn't matter. Like I'm not being precious about it. Um, and I have another, I, I was just announced yesterday, another book of poetry coming out oh. uh, at the end of this year with Godpile Press. Um, that doesn't have a title mm -hmm. yet. But the, it's put together, but I haven't titled it. So I'm going to be working on that. As for like publishing individual little things, I'm not super into that anymore because I just don't really feel like it's worth my while. Like it, it, I feel like it like massages like the bad part of my brain. That's like way too concerned with like people and Twitter and, you know, getting noticed and stuff. So I'm trying to not worry about it so much. Um, but I do have a couple things coming out. But definitely putting together like a larger finished product is something I care about a lot more. So this is a poem that isn't out anywhere yet, but is you can probably find it on my social media if you would like to. Um, it's called Creation Myth. When I was young, I swallowed a cone of light. My stomach hurt and everyone said I was lying. The rest is history. You know, like a dog who swallowed a small toy, got into the glitter. You have to bend to pick out the little bits glimmering in the shit. Every year feels like seven and I only know a few words and I only know them in certain tones. You don't know why I do many things. Why a noise can be enough to make me dart off to the edge of the yard and stand there all night looking. I'm afraid the light will run out and it will be like dying. I'm afraid of how small I want to be, of what passes now for control. Like a cartoon doing science, pulling a lever so hard it breaks off and the machine runs forever. I will now walk to the store in a tight little shirt. I will be a blurred cutout in the background of some man buying coffee and if he talks to me, I will say what anyone else would say at a time like this. I will pretend to be a person who is not so great and I will pretend to be pretending. And then I have one more for you, which is also not available anywhere yet. Um, called It's All Right. Um, and a uh, funny story about this, I guess. Um, when I sent this to my best friend, um, as I often do, like 
when I finished writing a poem for the first time and I haven't gone over it yet, she was like, this is like a very sapphic poem for me. And then I had to tell her that this was like a poem I wrote as a love poem to myself. And I felt like the biggest egotistical piece of shit who ever existed. Um, so this is called It's All Right. I crossed the desert just to tell you I crossed the desert. For years, lugging this stone on my back just to tell you its weight. I could have not. I could have called you. I could have found a hillside and skipped down and seen you there waving from across a big lake. I could have set the rock down, collapse, and let the sun cook me, and you'd be a jackal sniffing my body. I could have seen a white flower and eaten it, and the sky would fill with fractals of your face. I could have touched my hand and realized it was your hand, too, and kissed it. We're alone, and the clothes I lay at your feet are bone stiff, salted with sweat. It doesn't make this more beautiful. They're just there, stinking, and my back is bruised. I know, but don't say it. I know, but I'm tired, and I need you, and my feet are cracked. Just let me lay here. Let me just lay. I'll tell you the story while you comb out my hair in the dark.